We're going to talk about that today. Back in, in the Bible days, they didn't preach. They had a priest that would stand up and read from the Torah. A priest would stand up and read from the Torah, and that was the preaching. So I'm going to do a little bit of that today. And I'm not, I'm not just going to read from the Torah. I'm going to read from Deuteronomy, but I'm going to read from the, a, a whole lot of Scripture. If you don't believe there's a whole lot of Scripture, at, go back there and ask Joseph because he had to put it all in, 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 the, in there. But I'm going to read a lot because so many people tell what they think, right? So many people say, well, I think this is how it's going to be. I think, and I may insert that a little bit. But what I want to talk to you today about is what Scripture says. So we're going to talk about heaven, and we're going to talk about the judgment seat. We're going to talk about the great white throne judgment. We're going to talk about, about what's in heaven and all this kind of stuff. It's really cool. So I want, to, I want to talk to you about that today, and I'm super excited. So real quick before I get there, if you want one of these t-shirts, um, you can go to our website, kingdomimpactwilmington.com, and you can go under Connect. They're there. They're also on our Facebook page. You go on our Facebook page and look at it as well, or you can just contact me and I'll just send you the link. Um, and we are, and I, we're only making just a couple dollars off each one of them, and I'm trying to work on it where I can get you free shipping as well. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but but I'm, I'm believing that, that um, I just want y'all to wear these. I'm not trying to make money. I want y'all to just go out and tell people that you love them and that they're a big deal to you and a bigger deal to God. Amen? So so I want to start off by reading like, like the priest did. In 1 Corinthians 15, 50, 56. Let's see here. I'm sorry, 15, 48 through 57. Earthly people like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we know that we are the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. That's when we get to heaven, right? What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. God cannot take our take Pastor Doug as I am right now and put me in heaven. We, our, our, our body could not handle, handle that. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Okay? There are some people that are not going to die. They're going to go straight into rapture. They're going to, they're going to, when God comes back, take, take, Jesus comes back, take us away, they're going to go into rapture. They're going to live, and they're never going to die. They're going to die to their old man, their old flesh, but they're going to go in there. I hope, and I'm believing, that I'm going to be in that group. Okay? Don't, if, if you don't think so, don't tell me, because I don't, I don't want to die. I just want to just leave, right? Okay, so it says, um, but it will happen in a moment. And King James says, in the twinkling of an eye. Uh, the, uh, New Living Translation says a blink of an eye. I think a twinkling of an eye is faster than a blink. You know, a blink, you can see a blink. You ever seen a twinkle and somebody's like, you know, just, just, you just see like a little glisten? It's so fast, it's so quick. That's how, that's how quick it's going to happen. It says, um, when the last trump is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, we have all, um, for all those who have died will raise to live forever. And we will be living, also be transformed. For our bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies will be transformed into mortal bodies. Then when our bodies, um, our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture says, death is swallowed up in the victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Um, oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is a sting that results in death. You know, in another scripture it says, for the wages of sin is death, right? So it says the sin is the sting that um, results in death, and the law 
gives sin its power. But thank God, He gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. For He Himself, Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, For He Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those who are alive and remain shall be called up, called up with them in the clouds to meet him in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's talking about what we hear is a rapture. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but the word called up is. And that's, what, that's where we get the word rapture from. And so what's going to happen is a blanket, does it be a, trump, a trumpet sound? And in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, there's going to be a rapture and all those that, that are, are here uh, are going to leave. First off, the dead in Christ shall rise. So if, you, if you're a Christian and you've been cremated or you're a Christian and you've been in the grave, you're going to raise up out of the grave up to here and then we're all going to go together and, you know, and, and rise into heaven and meet God, Jesus in the air. He's going to come down in the air. We're going to meet him in the air and then we're going to go to heaven together. And it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, but just as it was written, this which eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, and which has not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. So all the description that I'm going to tell you about the heaven today, to me, based on that scripture, is just minuscule. Because I think there's words and descriptions that if he really told us what it really looked like in heaven, that we wouldn't understand. Because it says that no eye has seen or ear had heard yet never heard it before. Or even answered in the heart of man. So you hadn't even begun to dream how wonderful this place is. But he has to somehow tell us that it's nice for us. So he has to say gold and silver and pearls. All these things like that, right? And the streets of gold. That makes us like, oh wow, that's so cool, right? So, but you say, but what if people disagree? And they disagree with you about heaven and about hell. Well, who goes to heaven and who goes to hell is not my job. That's God's job. I'm a salesman. I'm not in administration. Okay? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're in administration. They make the judgment. God the Father makes the judgment. That's administration. I'm in sales. I just sell Jesus and love people and do what I do, right? It's God's job to do that. And so it's our job to share that with them. Even if they don't believe it, we need to tell them. Because Scripture says once you know the truth, you're held accountable for it. So when you come here on Sundays and you hear me tell you the truth, you can deny it. You can say no. You can reject God. But you will stand before God one day and he'll say, you say, I don't know nothing about that. Well, he, he's going to say, I know Pastor Doug told you. I know your friend told you. I know you read it in the scripture, but you denied it and you rejected it. Right. So in describing heaven, we realize that in heaven, I've got scriptures for all these if you if, if you need them. But there's no sickness. And no pain. There's no sickness, no pain, no, no, no heartaches, no leg aches, no back aches, no cancer, no sick, no disease, no pain, no hurting. You almost not hurting being pain, because that would make somebody shout if you if you in pain today. Also, there's no crying, there's no mourning, there's no sorrow. There's thank God there's no violence and no wars. Only perfect peace. And perfect rest. There's no more death. Nobody will die in heaven. We will live for eternity, which hurts my brain when I try to think how far that is. Eternity is like you go to the very end and then you just keep going. It's just forever. 
And then there is no more hunger and no more thirst. You will have all your senses. It talks, scripture talks about touching things and seeing things and hearing things and even eating. It says we'll eat at a, at a, at a marriage supper of the Lamb. So we'll have all of our senses. We'll have all of our abilities. It's, but it's going to be a heavenly body. This flesh will drop off and he will give us a heavenly body. Our soul stays the same, but, uh, but our body changes. Our body type changes. Thank Jay, Lord, please change my body type. Right here. Change this right here. Okay. Okay. Um, Revelation 7.16. It says, and they never again be hungry. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never again. Listen to this. This is cool. They will never again be scorched by the heat of the sun. No more sunburn. Because there's, there's no harsh rays because the light is going to come from God himself. So it's not a heart. No, we don't need no SPF. You know, we don't, we don't need no sun, suntan lotion. It says they will never again be scorched by the heat of the sun. See, in heaven, we will know each other intimately. It says we will know them as they are known. And, and that's why Peter, James, and John, whenever they went on the Mount of Transfiguration, how they recognized, you know, they recognized Moses and Elijah. They never seen them. They died like hundreds of years before they did. How do they know that? Because they had the ability to know them because when you have a heavenly body, we will all know each other. You will know your, your spouse. You will know your kids. You will know this stuff. You know, we, we, will, we will know who everyone is. We won't have name tags on. You will just know who everyone is. And John recognized them. John and Peter recognized them even though they had never seen them before. They never saw Moses and Elijah. They heard in the Torah about them, but they, ne but they never, they never uh, knew them and never saw them. They didn't have selfies. There was no selfie of, of Moses. No selfie of Elijah, right? Okay, heaven is a place of rewards. Matthew 5, 11, and 12. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted the same way. Do you know when people talk about you because you're a Christian, Scripture says that there's an award, there is a reward in heaven for you? They can do that, but you're you going to get paid. They keep talking, sucker. Keep talking. I'm getting, I'm getting paid for this right here. There's a reward in heaven for me. I'm getting blessed. You can talk about me and persecute me all you want to, but every time you do, God's going to bless me for it because I'm going to handle it the right way. Luke 5, and 23 says, um, What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, this is the same, this is the same scripture. It's just a different translation. Leap for joy, for the great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, your ancestors were treated the same way. So it's what it's saying to ancestors, Peter, all the apostles, all the prophets, all the disciples, they were all treated bad for knowing Jesus. And you'll be treated. It even says here in this translation, it says those who mock you and it says exclude you. Maybe you're excluded from some circles because you're a Christian. God says, I got a reward for that. Don't worry about it. It's good. I got you. I got you. One day, I'll give you a reward for that. See, heaven is a place where God is worshipped. Revelations 4, 8 through 11 says, each of these living beings had six wings. And their wings are covered over their eyes, inside and out. 
day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living beings gave glory and honor to and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives there forever and ever, God, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crown before the throne and they say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory, honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created them and are pleased. 24-7, there is worship around the throne. What makes our worship so unique is He created these angels to worship Him. But Friday night and today when we worship Him, He leaves the silhouettes of heaven and jumps over the seal of heaven into our presence because He says, I will inhabit the praises of my people. Why does He love our praise so much? Because we're not, we don't have to. We choose to. So He loves that worship in heaven. But he really loves when we worship him because we choose to worship him. We don't have to. We choose to. And he's like, That's, I got to go inhabit their praises. I got to go bless them. They're worshiping me. They're hungry. They're thirsty for more of my presence. I'm going to go down there and be with them. Heaven is a place, obviously, where God lives. In Deuteronomy 26.15, Now look down from your whole dwelling, your holy dwelling place. Talking about God. Now look down from your holy dwelling place in heaven and bless your people. This is Moses talking to God. Bless your people Israel and the land that you swore your ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Matthew 10, 30, 20, um, 32 and 33 says, Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will acknowledge before my he Father in heaven. So he said, you acknowledge me, Jesus, here on earth, and my Father who is in heaven, I will acknowledge before him. But anyone who denies me here on earth, I will deny before the Father in heaven. Right? So heaven is a place of exceeding joy as well. Jude one twenty four. Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling or stumbling away and will bring you with great joy into this glorious presence without a single fault. So he's saying, look here, he, God can keep you. We don't have to fall all the time. We're all constantly falling into sin. Yes, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But you can, you can be sanctified and, and into, a, into a place where you're walking with God where you don't fall all the time like you used to, just like a child. I'm an adult and I still fall, right? But when I was a child, I fell a whole lot more. The more you grow in Christ, the less you fall, the less you stumble because God will help you as you grow in Him. Amen? It says, Psalm 16, in my presence, there is fullness of joy forevermore. There's also treasure. Did you know you can store treasures in heaven? Mark 10, 21. Look at the man, Jesus. Look at the man. Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing that you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then... Come follow me. This man was full of pride. And he says, you're all about your money. You're all about the money. Look, go sell everything you got and then give it all to the poor and then come to me and you'll have treasure in heaven. We have treasure in heaven when we bless other people, when we give to people, when we care for people, when we serve people. We are storing treasure in heaven. And, and heaven is huge because 
Um, in Revelations 21, it talks about, it says the city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as its width. And the measured city with a rod is about 1,500 miles in length wide, um, height or equal half of the United States. If you take the whole United States, there's about 3,000 miles. Half of that is 1,500. Okay? Now, that's 1,500 just on one side, but it's 1,500 miles on every side. That is massive. That, if you put that on the earth, you'd have like a ball, and it'd be like this, this big old growth on it right here. That's how big heaven would be. It's massive. And so the thing is, is it's 1,500 miles wide, tall, deep, thin. It's just incredible how, how massive heaven is. So we have plenty of room for all of our storage. And, and we, it says, Scripture says that, I, you know, that if um, I go to a place to prepare for you, if it was not so, I would have told you so. So and he says, in my house were many mansions. What we miss out on, if you, pay to, if you pay attention to that one scripture, it says, in my house are many mansions. We all talk, well, I want my own mansion. Look, the way scripture reads, if you read it, what scripture says, it says, in my house are many mansions. So therefore, he has a house with a, many mansions inside. Isn't that cool that we're all going to live together in his house? Right? And so I love that. And, and, and also, you can know that in heaven, the names of the, of the uh, saved are written in heaven. But don't rejoice because evil, uh, evil spirits obey you. Rejoice that your names are registered in heaven. When you are saved, your name is scrolled in heaven and written in heaven. God, God loves you and he cares for you so much that he writes your name down. This is my child. It's like the adoption papers. He adopted you right into the kingdom. And so we are adopted into the kingdom, and we are there, and our name is written in heaven. Right now, if you are saved, your name is written in heaven, and all the angels and everybody there can see it. There'll be more, no more tears or sadness in heaven. Revelation 21.4 And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. The former things are passed away. Now, this scripture is talked about right after it said there's a new heaven and a new earth. So I want you to do some studying because it says this is right after new heaven and new earth. So that means whenever we are, we're at the judgment seat of God, and I'll talk about that in a minute, when God is, is, is blessing us and he's telling us about our works. I wonder if there'll be tears there because this right here is saying right here in the new heaven and new earth, he's going to wipe the tears from our eyes. So just thinking in my mind out loud, whenever I was studying this, I was like, well, maybe, you know, whenever he talks to us and says, here's what you could have done, here's what you should have done, maybe there's a moment that we're like, we're crying before the Lord and say, God, I wish I could have done more for you. I'm sorry for the way I did this. I don't know. It says in heaven, so maybe it's talking about all of heaven. But this particular scripture right here is after the, we come back down and, and there, there's a, a, after the thousand millennial reign, there, the new heaven and new earth is here that we will live for eternity when there's a new heaven and new earth right here on earth. Because there's no biblical account, there's no biblical account of tears in heaven, but I wonder wh where that was placed at. Was it placed there on purpose? Um, David Burns said it like this: There's five things that will occupy us in heaven. Worship without distraction. How awesome is it to be able to worship God with zero distractions? Nobody's going to distract you. Nobody around you. You're not going to be looking at the person. You're not going to be looking at me in the corner, jumping around, praising God. You're not going to look at the person over here. And, and nobody's going to be doing anything for pride. Obviously, people are human. Sometimes in church, people do things for other people to look at them because they want to be looked at. Some people worship in ways because they want people to look at them, right? Let's just be honest. People got pride. 
Look at me. They, that's why scripture says whenever you give an offering, don't hold up the $100 bill and wave it in the air and then put it in the offering. Because you did that for everybody else to see. Right? It says do it privately. Then you'll get a reward. Because if you did it, because what happened in the Bible, people would come and say, hey, they would have a bell. They would ring a bell. Ding, 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 ding. And everybody would see them and they would give to the poor. So everybody could see them. And so what, so, so he said, um, scripture says that, well, if you do that and you do it for others to see and they clap for you, that's the only blessing you're going to get out of it is that clap. But if you do it only for me to see privately, then what will happen is I'll bless you and I'll bless you publicly. Okay. So worship without distraction. You can serve without exhaustion. You can serve God. You can do things. You can do all kinds of stuff and you'll never get tired. There's no, ain't, you, ain't you glad you ain't never going to be tired again one day? Woo, I'm tired right now. Okay. And when I leave here, i got to drive four and a half hours to Chesapeake, so I'm going to be real tired. And then not only can you serve without exhaustion, you can fellowship without fear. You can walk up to anybody. There won't be no intimidation. There won't be no anxiety. There won't be no, no, no insecurities. You walk around and be able to fellowship without fear. You'll be able to learn without fatigue. Thank God for that. Because I just study a little bit and I get tired and fatigued, ready to go to bed, right? And then, you, and this is wonderful. How about this? You can rest without boredom. Eternal rest. So, so you know how if you just went and laid beside a lake, you know, the first couple of days is great. But after like day 60, you're like, okay, I'm tired of being by the lake. Right? I want to go somewhere else. I want to go to the beach. Okay. But in heaven, you can rest as long as you want to and you never get bored. Because, it's, because we don't have flesh. See, that's what we got to understand. All the things that we think about, all the problems that we see with heaven, is all in our flesh. It's all our flesh that's speaking. We will have no flesh in heaven. It will only be our spirit. Okay? Now, then we will have the judgment seat of Christ, or, or Scripture calls it the Bema, B-E-M-A. The Bible says that we shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's in Romans 10, 14 and 10. It says, so why do, why do you, condemn another, why do you con condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And what that means is, you know, everything that we do when we stand before God, God will reveal, right? 1 Corinthians 4 and 5 says, Therefore, do not go passing judgment before time, but wait, on the, wait until the Lord comes, who will bring both the light to the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motive of, of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. When we get to heaven, all the secret things, those people that did stuff just to be seen, those people who did stuff just, just to, to have clout, those people who built stuff just so they could have a name, all that will be revealed. And that bring to light is photizo. That's, that's, that's a Greek word for that, and it means to bring light or make visible, and disclose means to reveal. It says, the issue should be extremely clear for us in these two verses that, that the Lord will evaluate the quality and nature of each person's work. So 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in his body according to what was done, whether good or bad. Revelation 22, 12 says, Behold, I come quickly, my re um, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. So us as Christians, you know, we're going to go to the judgment. I don't believe that, I don't really believe, 
we can, we can talk about it and we can debate, and I may be wrong, but I, from my study, I don't really think that we're going to be at the great white throne judgment. I think that's, that's for, for the non-believers. I think we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, it's not a bad thing because you're already in heaven. He's not going to say, depart from me, you, go, you, you work over iniquity. He's going to look at us as Christians. We're going to stand before God, and he's going to talk about all the great things that we did. And then he's also going to say, and you know what? You missed an opportunity. Look what you could have done. And really the whole, the whole motive behind all that is to really show how much we could have done if we really would have been sold out and we weren't so selfish and so inward. You know, to sit there and say, look what you could have done. Look what you could have done. Look what you could have done. And here's this right here. This, was, this right here was done for, for vain conceit. This was done for that. And it's not, a, it's not a time of sorrow necessarily. And it's not a time for him to beat us down. It's to let us know. And so, so what kind of things are we going to evaluate? Let's, let's talk about that. It's going to evaluate every believer's work, whether good or bad, acceptable and worthy of rewards or unacceptable, to be rejoiced, to reject it as unworthy, or to be given as rewards. It's a matter of fact, our lives are being evaluated every day right now as we live. Also, he's going to destroy and remove unacceptable production. Stuff in our lives that were unacceptable and were lack of production, he's going to take out of our lives. And scripture, scripture talks about it being wood, hay, and stubble that's going to burn up. The sinful deeds and motives as well as the good deeds done in the energy of the flesh that will be consumed, like scripture says, wood, hay, and stubble before a fire because they are unworthy of reward. He's not going to reward us for things that we did to get, bring glory to ourselves. He's going, to, he's, going to bring, he's going to reward us for things that bring glory to him. That's why I try to constantly say, someone was texted me the other day and was like, thank you, Pastor, it's right here. And I said, all I said was, to God be the glory. Because it's not me that I, if I help you in amazing ways that are beyond your capability, your belief. You're like, I can't believe, Pastor Doug, you did that. My only way I'm able to do anything great, to love you, to serve you, to show love to you, to show care, to show compassion, is because of God. Because my flesh is just as bad as everybody else's. But as long as I allow Holy Spirit to work through me, I can do all these great things. But it's not me doing them. It's God doing them front through me. I have to be a willing vessel to say, God, I want to be used by you. I want to bless people. And I want to do it so you can get the glory, not so I can have a big church or a big name. To reward the believer for all the good that he has done or portrayed, as then he says all the good things will be portrayed as symbols of gold, silver, and precious stones, which is valuable um, and can stand the test of fire. You see, wood, hay, and stubble, they can all be burned up. So he'll burn that stuff up that's made of nothing, that meant nothing. But he will keep and give you things that cannot be burned up, which is gold, silver, and precious stones. See, the judgment seat of Christ is kind of like, maybe you can look at it as a commencement ceremony, like we just had graduates, right? You know, they, you know, they, they get up there and somebody's about a Victorian. A personality audience don't say, well, I wish I was about a Victorian. You know, oh my God. No, they're just sitting there, hey, I'm here. I graduated. I got my diploma. I don't care. You know, I'm good, Right? I, I can't even believe I passed. I can't. I'm still waiting for him to yank me out of the line, right? The thing is, you know, but but we don't sit. But we do say, you know what? If I would have worked harder, I, I probably could. I might could have done that. You know, maybe I could have done better, huh? 
If I hadn't have cheated on that test and got caught, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have failed that test. And if I'd done my homework more. But you know what? Hey, I'm here. So you know, you see what I'm saying there? It's a time of, of you thinking about what, what you could have done better, but it's not like a sad, evil, bad time. It's not a time of, of remorse necessarily. And also, it's kind of like the ball boy at the NBA Finals. You know, so he's sitting there. He's a ball boy. All he does is go out there and get the ball. When they run out and he runs, he gets the, he gets the cloth and wipes up sweat. Okay, everybody else gets a big old ring. The ball boy probably don't get one. I don't know. He may. I don't think he does. But he don't get, he don't get no acclamations. Hey, you won the championship. We're at the NBA Finals. No, but he's like, but I was on the court. I know these players. I'm here. I'm part of the team. So it's just being part of the team of the kingdom of God. So what works will be judged? Our works will be judged on how well we obey the Great Commission. Do we make disciples? I often say churches are really good at getting people saved, but then leaving them on their own. Scripture says we need to disciple people. So you'll be judged on how great you disciple people. You'll be judged on how victorious you were over sin. Did sin conquer you or did you conquer sin? We'll also be judged um, on how uh, James 3, 1 through 9 talks about that we'll be judged on how we control our tongue and our behavior towards others. People's like, yeah, well, you cuff, you cuff. But you know what? Scripture says you'll be accounted for every idle word. You may not cuss, but you say you're dumb, you're stupid. Hey, what's he think he, who do you think? That's all idle words. We'll be, we'll be judged for those. So it's not just cuss words. So more specifically, the earthly deeds of believers will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Christ will include these following actions. The doctrines and degrees intellectually, honestly exhibited by a person when deciding the doctrinal beliefs. Did you go to a church because some of their doctrinal beliefs believes in doing things that you like to do? Or did you go to that church because of the doctrinal beliefs they had that, you know what, they line up with the word of God? Because if you want to find one that drinks, smokes, cokes, dopes, and everything else, you can just stare out there. So did you go to that church because that's what they do? I go to church, God, I'm saved, but I come in here because they do like what I like to do. You know? Or are you, you, did you look for a church that Scripture says, you know, that you, you're doctrinally correct? And, you, you, you know, that's Romans 2, 14 through 16 says that. Also, Matthew 18 and Romans 14 talks about our conduct, behavior, and our attitude towards others. We'll be judged for that. Um, Colossians 3 and Romans talks about our carnal traits. Um, Matthew 12, 30, 20, um, 32-37 and Romans 14 talks about, as I mentioned a while ago, every idle word that is spoken. Idle word, an idle, a word that does not have any emotion, any, any momentum to it. Okay, and then Romans 1 and uh, 14, 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, Galatians 5. Colossians 3, Ephesians 4, all those talk about behavioral traits that affect others, such as we'll be judged about if we slander people, quarrels, idle words, foolishness, dishonesty, broken promises, wrong dealings, and so on. These are all things that will be judged then. Personal characteristics, Romans, Hebrews, Galatians, and Colossians, talks about personal characteristics such as um, including lost and neglected opportunities, wasted talents, loose living, and lack of spirituality. A lot of people have talents, but they're not using them for the Lord. Every week I stand up here and say, I need more people to serve. Just about every one of my greeters was out today. I need to be able to call somebody. And I called several people. 
And some, some, some were out of town, some were sick, and I about ran out of numbers until I hit a couple people. And, and Melanie's like, hey, I'll do it. Don't worry, we got this. I need, we need people for you to be able to serve and do things. Some, some things aren't that hard. You make coffee, put those six little scoops in there and put some water in it, right? We need help with that. We need someone just greeting people. We need people out in the parking lot just say, hey, can you park right here? Can, you know, whatever, whatever. We need that because we have a small parking lot. But, you know, wasted opportunities. Whenever you had an opportunity to bless somebody, you chose to do your own thing. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4 talk about spiritual traits and proclivities such as disobedience, rejection, failure to cooperate and yield to the Spirit. So, so whenever we reject God, when God tells us to do something and we know God's telling us to do it and we're rejected by it, we leave, we, we turn and don't do what He asks us to do on purpose, and we don't, correct, we don't cooperate with the Holy Spirit, we quench the Spirit, we'll be judged for that. So what is his plan for me? This is a poem that I found. When I stand before the judgment seat of Christ and he shows his plans for me, the plan of my life as it may have been had he had his way with me. And I see, oh, I blocked him here and checked him there and I would not yield my will. Will there be grief in my sorrow, my Savior's eyes? Grief, though he loves me still. Would he have me rich and I stand there poor, stripped of all his grace, while memory runs like a hundred things down the paths I cannot retrace? Lord of the years that are left to me, I give them to thy hand. Take me and break me and mold me to the pattern that thou hast planned. You may supposed to be a millionaire right now and be able to just to fund the church. But because you didn't do what God wanted you to do, you did something that you wanted to do, you may be in a place where you don't have the money that you should have had. And when we get to heaven, do you know that every one of us is going to have crowns when we get to heaven as well? There's five different crowns that we'll have when we get to heaven. Number one is the incorruptible crown. Corinthians 9.25 says, those who master their old nature. See, our old nature wants to come up and then we let somebody have it. We're Christian. We, 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 our old nature comes up and we may slip and sin. Our old nature comes up the way who we used to be. and We do things we shouldn't do. But for those that say, I've mastered my old sin. Yes, I sin sometimes, but I tell my old nature, my old, my old flesh, no, you're not going to do this. You're not going to act this way. I refuse to do that. You, you, you conquer that. Your mind is renewed and you are, are, are more in control of your, your old self than your old self is of you. There's an incorruptible crown that that person gets. Number two, there's a crown of rejoicing. I spelled that wrong. It says if, doesn't it? I'm sorry. A crown of rejoicing. This, this is 1 Thessalonians 2.19. A crown of rejoicing is given to soul winners. If you're out there and you're trying your best to, to lead people to Christ, you have led somebody to Christ, you're witnessing to people, there's a crown of rejoicing that's going to be given to you. And then James 1 and 2 talks about a crown of life. Those who successfully endure temptations. When we're tempted all the time, yes, we're human, we're going to fail sometimes, but if you, if you are better and you, you endure temptations and you overcome temptations most all the time, you will have a crown of life. And then there's a crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4 and 8. Mr. Dolores, this is one of your crowns. Because it says those who specially love the doctrine of the rapture. She just talks about God coming and taking us away all the time on the phone with me, 
Oh, we're going to go to heaven one day. We're going to do this right here. She, you know, she's just excited about heaven and getting there and the rapture coming. She's so happy about that. There's a crown of rejoicing awaiting her and all of us that are excited about God coming back to take us home. And then the fifth crown is a crown of glory. That's one I pray that the Lord will give me. It's, a, it's given to faithful teachers and preachers, according to 1 Peter 5, 4. So it's, it's a crown saying, you know what? You've been faithful teaching the gospel the best you can. You preach the gospel the best you can. And, and, and that is one that we can have. And then we have the great white throne judgment. And I know I'm, I'm let me just bear with me. I'm trying to hurry for you. Great white throne judgment. Revelations 20. I'm just going to read this. Then I saw an angel from heaven with a, a key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into a bottomless pit, which he is shut up and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterwards, he will be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones and the people sitting on them had been given authority to judge. So we'll we'll be able to judge at times. Um, Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony about Jesus for proclaiming the word of God. What that's saying is whenever the rapture takes place, there's seven years of tribulation here, right? And during that seven years of tribulation, the only way that you're not killed is if you take the mark of the beast. And if you take, if you don't take the mark of the beast, you can't sell, you can't buy, you can't do, you can't make any trade, you can't do anything. You're running scavenge. You're like the Walking Dead, right? You're running around. If they catch you and you don't take the mark of the beast, then you're beheaded. That's how you. That's how you make it to. To the rapture after that's over. The only way to make it into heaven after the tribulation is to, is to be beheaded and make it through the tribulation. So it says, this is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Um, blessed are, and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For the second death holds no power. Um, but they will be priests of God and, Christ, um, and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. And then we have the defeat of Satan. It says, when the thousand years comes to an end, Satan will be let out of prison and he will go to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog. And every corner of the earth, he will gather them together for battle as a mighty army and as numerous as the sand along the seashore. And I saw them and they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded, um, surrounded God's people in the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down, attacking the enemies and consumed them. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into a lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet, and they were tormented day and night forever and forever. One day is over for him. He's coming after you right now, but you can just let him know, hey, listen here, one day you're going to be thrown into a lake of fire to torment forever. Then it says, and I saw the great white throne judgment, which we're talking about, and I saw one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, and they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And they were, they were, the books were open, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, the death and the grave um, to their dead. Then the death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was uh, not found Recorded in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. If you can come, please. So, so that is the great white throne judgment where you stand before God and God says, Your name's not in the book of life. Depart from me, I never knew you. And then you enter into a place called hell. Okay, 
But then here, let, me, let me finish on a good note here with heaven. What, let me tell you what the Bible says in Revelation 21 about heaven, and we're done. Then I saw a new, if you could just play some strings back there behind me. Then, then, I, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the old heaven and the old earth have disappeared. This earth here, as we know it, is going to be destroyed. And it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city and the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. They will live with him, them. And they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye. And there will be no more pain and no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All things are gone forever. These things are gone forever, sorry. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who's thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, corrupt, murderers, immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is a fiery lake of burning sulfur that is the second death then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came to me and said come with me i will show you the bride we are the bride by the way the wife of the lamb so he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me a holy city jerusalem descending out of heaven from god it shone with the glory of God and sparkled like the precious stone, like jasper as a crystal, clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high. The twelve gates guarded the twelve angels. And the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on each one of the gates. These were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick, measuring the city, its gates, and its wall. They were measured and found that it was a square as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were 1,400 miles. And it's measured the walls found to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. The wall was made of jasper. The city was um, pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on the foundation stones inlaid with the 12 precious stones. The first was jasper. The second was sapphire. Um, the third was agate. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, onyx. The sixth, um, carnelian. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, chrysophras. Uh, the 11th, Jasseth, and the 12th, Amethyst. The 12 gates were made of pearls, each pearl from a single pearl. And the main street of, go of heaven was pure gold, as clear as glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. 
And the city had no need of the sun or moon. For the glory of God illuminates the city. The Lamb is a light. The Lamb is a light. The nations will walk in light and the King of the world will enter the city in their glory. Its gates will never be closed and the end of the day because there will be no night there. And in the nights, and the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed in there. Nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry or dishonesty. But only those names who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then verse, then, then Revelation 22 says, Then the angel showed me a river of life, clear as, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. And on each side a river grew. A tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, a fresh crop for each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a, a curse on anything. For the throne of God will be a lamb, of the lamb of the lamb will be there. And the servants will worship him. And they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no lamps, nor sun. And the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever. And the angel told to me, anything, I mean, everything that you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God inspires his prophets. The angels to tell the servants will happen soon. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of the prophecy in this book. I, John, John, John the Revelator. And the one who heard and seen all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down and worshipped at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and your prophets, as well as all those who obey what is written in the book. Worship only God. Then he instructed me, do not seal up the prophetic words of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to be righteous. And let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed is he who, who washed their robes, for they will be permitted to enter in into the gates of the city and the fruit, eat the, from the fruit of the tree of life. Outside, outside of the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, those who live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of the David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright and morning star. The spirit of the bride says, come. Let anyone who hears me say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life, come. And I will solemnly declare to you who hears the words of this prophecy written in this book, and anyone who adds anything to this book here, God will um, add a plague. Um, the per add, God will add that person to the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes anything out of this book of the prophecy, God will remove the person who shares in the tree of life in the holy city and described in this book. He who is faithful to witness all these things says, yes, I am coming. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all holy people. In Jesus' name, amen. And the book's concluded. Hallelujah! Is that not just wonderful and beautiful? Let me tell you what. Let me tell you today. Maybe you're in this room. If you bow your hand, close your eyes. Maybe you're in this room and you're like, 
I really want to go there, but I don't know Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And if I died right now, I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't go to heaven. I wouldn't be able to experience all that. I probably would end up in that place that you call hell. But I really want to go to heaven. And if God's going to be with me, if God's going to help me, if God can help Jason, he can help me. If God can help you, Pastor Doug, from where you came, he can help me. I want to go to heaven. I want to be healed. I want to live forever and ever in a place of peace and, and, and happiness and joy and bliss, not a place of hell and torment. I want to live forever because Jesus died for me. Not because I'm scared, but because I want to go to heaven and make, it, make heaven my home with the Father. Is there anybody here at all that would raise your hand real quietly? I want to embarrass you. And you say, I want to be a Christian. I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to become a Christian and receive Jesus. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? You can raise your hand real fast. You want to receive Christ. Amen. If you weren't able to raise your hand, you can come see me later. We'll talk about it. Father, I thank you that you have created a place called heaven for us. I thank you, Father, that you've made it easy for us to get to heaven, that all we got to do is accept you as our Lord and Savior. I thank you that every time that I endure criticism and judgment and, and mocking because I'm a Christian and because I serve you, that you got a reward for me. I thank you that, you don't, Lord, I don't need no rewards. I don't need no crowns. You are my jewel. You are my reward. And God, when you lay those, when you give me those crowns and when you give me those rewards and you give me those jewels and you put those robes on me, I'm going to lay them back at your feet. Because all that I am is because of you. And every time that I thwarted death, every time that I thwarted any kind of sickness, every time I thwarted any kind of, any kind of bad attitude or any kind of evil in my life, it's all because you gave me strength. So all that you give me, I'm going to lay back at your feet and honor who you are. Because I just want to be with you for the rest of my life. That's all I want to do. And whatever position you put me in in heaven, I'm willing and able to serve. I want to serve you, Lord, even in heaven. Whatever you want me to do there, Father, let me know. I'll do it. I love you, Father, and I thank you for your people. Thank you for your words in, in the scripture. And thank you, Lord, for the ability to hear from heaven. And we love you, God. Thank you for your scripture. And I, I didn't even want to preach it, Lord, because your, your word says it so perfectly. So why try to mess up something that's written so beautifully? We love you, Lord. We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.